Welcome to Fearlessly Pharaoh Living. This is Reverend Karen speaking again today. And the title of today's episode is called, He Will Bring the Laughing Buddha to You. I just love that. Now, there's another podcast I listened to, and I'm going to put a plug in for him here. His name is Rob Bell. And uh, I love his podcast, and I particularly love his titles. So I took a little page from Rob Bell because I haven't really been happy with my titles. So you might be seeing a bit more creativity with my titles. Yep, he will bring the laughing Buddha to you. And someone actually said that to me the other day. And here's a little bit of the backstory. I bought a laughing Buddha statue. So, more to the story in a minute, but first, here's my official introduction. Welcome to Fearlessly Feral Living, broadcasting to you from the Woogie Ranch out here in the back 40 of northwestern Nevada, where I'm a half an hour away from the nearest gas station and the nearest grocery store. This is a podcast devoted to using new thought principles to ensure successful creative living. Fearlessly Feral is a focus ministry of Centers for Spiritual Living and is devoted to the vision of a world in which everyone lives fearlessly feral or wild and free. So, yes, we're talking about bringing the laughing Buddha to us. And basically, this episode is all about the spiritual practices of self-care and introspection with a little faith thrown in for good measure. And it's all about how that looks like for us in practical application in everyday world. So here we go. A few weeks ago, I went on a little road trip. I took two days to do this. Next time, I'll take more, believe me. So every year in the spring, I take a road trip. It's usually just a day trip. The purpose of a road trip in the spring is to see flowers. And this year I really needed to see flowers because we had the biggest, most challenging winter on record. Snow in the mountains was at something like 263% of normal. And now that it's been warming up, all that snow is melting. We've got lakes and rivers and streams where we didn't have them before. And we've got flooding and roads closed because of flooding and Oh, it's not been fun. And in my little community, we've had snow in feet instead of inches, which is what we normally get. We've had snow that stuck around because of abnormal cold, cold, which is not normal for us. We lost our electricity for almost a week, and it was so bad and so cold that the local hotel offered rooms at a discount to all the folks that lived in my neighborhood. And I actually took them up on that because it was so cold, I couldn't stay warm even in my bed with covers on. So to say that I needed to see flowers this year is a bit of an understatement. So here's a little self-care thing. Pay attention when something within you says, go see the flowers or whatever it says, you can trust those inner nudges, really. And I have to put a disclaimer here. If the inner nudge says, oh, go drink and you're an alcoholic and you've been attending Alcoholics Anonymous and you're in recovery. uh, No, that's not an inner nudge. That's something else going on. Don't pay attention to that inner nudge. 
You're an adult. You know the difference. Take some personal responsibility here, all right? Okay, on we go. Now, usually when I go to see the flowers, I go to a place called Daffodil Hill to get my flower fix. It's only a couple of hours away from me, and it's a nice day trip. Except they closed Daffodil Hill. And this leads me to my first illustration of how we can practice the principle of allowing or faith in our lives. Daffodil Hill closing could have been a source of great resentment for me. I could have gone on and on and on about blah, 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 blah. And no, not going to do that. I could have been in negative judgment about it, but no. I prefer not to go there because every time I do that, I'm the one that ends up feeling badly and getting hurt behind it. I prefer to remember instead that spirit is everywhere present and all good all the time. And I prefer to allow that it might be time to explore something new. Do I miss Daffodil Hill? Oh, yeah. Do I miss going to that, to Amador County, to that whole place and seeing everything? Yeah, I miss it. But when one door closes, others open up. And it's our job to release those Indians with gratitude and create and find new beginnings. Unless, of course, we want to just stay stuck in the resentment of the closing of one great place and lament that the world is going to hell in a handbasket and stand in our judgment and false sense of superiority that we get from that. We could stay there. Can you tell I'm familiar with this phenomenon? I'm very happy to say I don't do that anymore. I think about it, but I don't do it. I prefer allowing. I prefer self-care. I prefer to do the introspection that allows me to know what I need and to take action to get that need fulfilled. And also to do the introspection that allows me to move beyond the resentment and the payoff from that resentment, because we always get a payoff from resentments and into something new and wonderful in my life. Because there's always something new and wonderful. So through a series of not coincidences, because I don't believe in those things, I arrange a trip to a place called Ananda. Now Ananda is about a four-hour drive away from me. And the way that I drive, well, let's just say, I like to stop and explore a lot. So it usually takes me a lot longer than what GPS says to reach my destination. And I've learned to allow for that. Ananda is a lovely Buddhist retreat center nestled in the hills of Grass Valley, California. And within Ananda, they have a garden called Crystal Hermitage. And in this garden, they have tulips, lots and lots of tulips in the spring. Now, tulips are my favorite flower. Just saying, just remember that. Tulips are my favorite flower. I love tulips even more than I love daffodils. So this is the perfect place for me. And I wanted to go see the tulips. So I scheduled my trip during a couple days in which I had no meeting scheduled, no wedding scheduled, nothing. My house sitter was available. Everything fell into place. And I hoped for the best in terms of whether or not I would be there at peak tulip bloom. Turns out I was a bit early, but it was still a great trip. I also did something different for this trip. I agreed to meet up with some friends while I was there. And yeah, that's real different for me because I'm used to traveling alone. I've lived alone for more of my life than I've lived with another human being. And 
Lately, I've been feeling another one of those inner nudges that's telling me to reach out and socialize more. Well, to reach out and socialize more, I have to learn to socialize and there's humor there. There's a lot of humor there. When I was in ministerial school, they had us doing projects with others and I would get assigned to create a class, for example, I would get assigned to create a class curriculum with three other people. Oh my God, that was so difficult for me. I didn't know how to work with others. So I started learning that little skill in ministerial school and I'm better at it than I was. So I arranged for some women to come and meet me. One of, one of them used to live here. She lives in uh, north of Santa Rosa now. And the other one lives in Warshaw Valley, which is north of me by about an hour and a half. And I arranged to meet them all there. The one that lives in Warshaw asked if, because I, tra- I went down there the night before the day I was supposed to meet them. And she asked if she could stay in my hotel room with me. And I took a deep breath and a gulp. And I said, yes. And then I thought, what am I supposed to do rooming with this woman? Am I supposed to talk to her? What do I do? I mean, it's that bad, guys. It's that bad. I've considered myself a bit of a social um, uh, misfit in many ways. I've got a sense of humor. I love people. But I just, you know, I just sometimes, I'm just at a loss sometimes. So anyway, we roomed together and it worked out fine. And we talked and then silence came and it was a normal natural silence and it was all well and good. So a little spiritual lesson there. Most of our worries never come to fruition. They just interfere with our present joy, which tells us to live in the present moment. So anyway, the day comes, I leave early and true to form with the weather these days. And if you don't believe in climate change, uh, I got news for you. Anyway, I encountered snow on my trip in mid-April and I was prepared for it. I was fine. Um, anyway, drive through the snow takes a lot longer, but I get there. I arrive at Ananda about 3 p.m. and discover to my delight that only one other car is in the parking lot. Now I get there and I have to drive past three other empty parking lots to get to the one closest to the entrance, which is also almost empty. And here's the advantage of traveling on a weekday during off-season. You quite frequently get the place to yourself. So I was in heaven. I pull up and there's a parking lot guy there. Turns out this parking lot guy and I have a lot in common. He's a full-time resident at Ananda. He's lived there for 20 years. And our conversation started developing and I could have stood there and talked to him for quite some time. And I was amazed at how easily the conversation developed, which I'll talk about more later. But I was on a mission to photograph the flowers. And so I walked from the parking lot down this hill into Crystal Hermitage Gardens. And as usual, I have a lot of thoughts about these things. And as I'm walking down this hill to get to the entrance, I'm thinking with great gratitude how wonderful it was to be able to walk without pain because I had just had my hip replaced eight months previous. I was also a little bit worried about walking back up the hill because I'm not yet back to full strength in all of my surrounding muscles. Everything was fine, by the way. What did I say earlier about none of our worries come to fruition? Yeah, that. 
None of that happened. It was all fine. I was wondering if I would enjoy taking photos of the flowers because it's been a while since I enjoyed taking photos of flowers. It's a long story, but I'll just say it's been a lot of healing on my part to get to the place where I can thoroughly, once again, enjoy taking pictures of the flowers. And I did. I felt like I got my photo mojo back that day. So I get to the entrance and the folks there are efficient and friendly and they have my name on an iPad. And I'm really impressed because I'm at a Buddhist retreat center and they're using an iPad. I didn't know why I was impressed with the technology, but I was. Had another brief friendly chat with them and in I went right into heaven. It was quiet. It was peaceful. It was beautiful. It was a perfect temperature out. It was the perfect light. I pulled out my camera and I proceeded to get lost in f-stops and shutter speeds and depth of field and searching for light and stopping to enjoy and getting up and getting down off the ground and enjoying that as well because, yeah, hip replacement. You can't know how wonderful freedom of movement is until you lose it for a while. The staff there was friendly but not intrusive, but I saw them watching me in my zone with my photos taken pictures. One of them one of them did mention, she said, are you from National Geographic? And I said, no, I'm just enjoying taking photos. And yeah, I had my photo mojo back. After years of it being gone, it was back. And I am so grateful for that. And you know, when that mojo went away, I wondered if it would ever come back. And I was okay with it. Because I no longer have my entire identity wrapped up in being a photographer. Photography is not something I be anymore. It's something I do. And we get to explore things like that with this self-care practice of self-awareness. We get to realize things like that about ourselves. But I was really glad the photo mojo came back. And I'd like to talk about faith a little bit here about allowing You know, we go through life and shit happens sometimes. It really does. It's a part of life. It's a part of our job when shit happens to accept shit happening is the invitation that is buried under all that shit. It really is. It's our job to do that. It's not our job to fight it. It's not our job to resist it. It's our job to accept it and dive into it and get to the gift of it. It's what's buried underneath it. Our job is to remain positive through the process and have faith and know the good even if we aren't feeling it. Our job is not to judge ourselves harshly through it and move through it with grace and dignity, knowing that when we come out the other side, we will be fully healed and we will find the gift that was buried underneath all that shit. There's a little story. It's about twins about 10 years old or so, and they have their birthday where their parents proudly escort them to a barn and a horse stall filled with nothing but horse shit. (laughs) And one twin gets a resentment. He complains loudly and walks away sulking, and he doesn't enjoy his birthday at all. This twin is the pessimist, the guy who really doesn't have a good time in life. The other twin, however, grabs a rake and goes into the stall and proceeds to rake up all the horse shit with excitement and joy. And when his parents ask him why, he says, 
With all this horse shit, there's got to be a pony around here somewhere. This kid is the optimist. He fully enjoys life. So when shit happens in our life, our job is to sort through it to get the pony. Because I have news for you. There's always a pony. Always a pony. When the photography industry changed, I changed along with it, gleefully making the switch from digital to film. I mean, from film to digital. (laughs) I changed my packages and my products and how I served my clients, and it was all geared toward the new way of doing professional photography and giving the clients what they wanted, which is how you operate a successful business, by the way. Except they wanted a couple things I was unwilling to provide. They wanted cheap prices... And they wanted badly exposed photos. You know, those things, those photos, that style that was all the rage for a while? Washed out photos and people looking like raccoons because their eyes were all in shadow. And folks wanted that. They were asking for that. And I I had to say no. I couldn't do it. I tried once at a wedding. I tried And I felt horrible about giving these people this substandard product, even though they wanted it. I just couldn't do it. And I certainly couldn't do it for one-third of the price I was used to charging. That told me it was time to retire. Because for the first time in 30 years of business, the customer was not right. Not for me, anyway. They wanted me to ignore all my training and experience. And so my business shrunk rapidly. Took a lot of healing to get through that one, guys. A lot of healing. I didn't right away search for the gift and all that horse shit. It took some time. I didn't right away have the awareness that there was a deep part of me, that God part of me, inviting me to step into my next greatest level of being where I could not go unless I released my previous life. I was too busy back then trying to survive, which is valid. I survived. And once I got out out of survival mode, then I began healing. I knew intellectually what I know, that when one door closes, it really and truly is an opportunity for us to open a new and greater door that leads us to our highest good. Somewhere inside of me, I knew that greater things wanted to come to the surface and that I needed to let go of my identity as a photographer. And eventually I did that. Today I don't be photography, I just do it. And I have fun with it, by the way. And I have fun with it because I'm retired and I don't have to do what the client wants. I can do what I want. Anyway, (sighs) my new career, I'm a minister. Here I am recording a podcast for you. This is part of my ministry. And I love it. And life is so rewarding and so valuable. And I've stepped into this joy. And I'm so, so grateful. And now today I can look at some of those photographers, none of whom are around, by the way. There's a whole new crop, and guess what? They're learning about lighting and posing. I'm so excited for them. Anyway, no more washed out photos with raccoon eyes. I'm so excited for that too. So I'm happily wandering aimlessly in this garden, moving from one photo op to the next, and I'm enjoying my freedom of movement 
And I'm enjoying the energy in this garden because guess what? When you meditate in a place, it creates an energy, a good energy that permeates permeates everything. And I felt that energy. So guys, meditate. It creates good energy in the space that you're in. I lost track of time and after a while I emerged from my inner world to notice that there seemed to be a lot of employees wandering around and the one other couple that had been there had left and it occurred to me that it might be closing time and sure enough it was. So I walked back up the hill to greet my newfound friend the parking lot guy whose name is David by the way and we had another chat and I moved off to the next stage of my journey to check into my hotel and meet up with my friend and have dinner. And the next morning, we go back to Ananda, and I meet my other friends there. And I have another chat with the parking lot guy while I'm waiting for my friends to arrive. And I'm feeling the magic of this energy, and I'm feeling this attraction for this guy, which I haven't really felt in a really long time. And I'm realizing it would be so nice to be in relationship with a guy who looks me straight in the eyes like David did and says, I'm really comfortable with myself. And I'm like, oh, I love that so much. I love that so much. But he lives in Ananda and I live four hours away and I'm still not quite ready to go there, but at least I'm dreaming of it. I'm dreaming of it. So we go down. I've got more tulips to photograph. The light's different. It's a different time of day. So I got to photograph them all over again. (laughs) And I got friends to be with. And we go off and we go into Crystal Hermitage and we have a grand time. And I'm still in my photo zone and I still have my photo mojo and life is pretty damn good. And I'm really, really grateful that I've developed my self-care practice to the point where I can pay attention with love and compassion to what's going on inside of me. And I'm really glad I have faith that allows me to be open and go with the flow. So it comes time to leave and I decide that it is time for me to fulfill a desire that I've had for many years and that was to buy a laughing Buddha statue. So I bought the laughing Buddha statue. Took me a long time. They had different sizes in there and uh, took me a while to decide on the one I wanted and I bought the laughing Buddha statue and my friends rejoiced with me and they said, oh, You got the laughing Buddha, they said. And I smiled and they smiled. And then I thought about walking up the hill carrying that Buddha, which weighed about 30 pounds. Now, 30 pounds is about the same weight as a bag of birdseed or a bag of dog food. Much less than the bags of horse grain that I haul around all the time and way less than a bale of hay. But I don't have to haul those things up a hill. So, self-care. I asked for help. And they said, yeah, drive your car down and around this road and meet me here. And I will bring the laughing Buddha to you. And my friends heard that and they laughed. And one of them said, that's the title of your next book. And it might very well be. They will bring the laughing Buddha to you. So that's the story of how I got a laughing Buddha brought to me. It's a story of good self-care. It's a story of gratitude. It's a story of faith. 
It's a story of paying attention to ourself. And it's a story of allowing. And I'm smiling so much as I'm ending this podcast to you. Because I think this was a very good story. And I hope you enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed experiencing it. I hope you can live in such a way as to allow someone to bring the laughing Buddha to you, even if that someone is the bigger part of you that lives inside of you 24-7. Allow that something to bring the laughing Buddha to you. And so in closing, Fearlessly Feral Living is a focus ministry of Centers for Spiritual Living, and your support is much appreciated and fully tax deductible. You can support us by going to the podcast on Buzzsprout. There's a support link there. You can support us on our Patreon page. You can support us through PayPal. And all of these ways to support are listed on my website at fearlesslyferal.org. I thank you very much for li- listening And I am knowing fearlessly feral living for you and for me.